Welcome to WeChat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, legal liaison, and Catherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of WeChat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, helping you secure your worth and protect your wealth in divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome Danielle Kelly. In this episode, we're going to talk about the other side of divorce, a child's perspective. But first, I'm going to take a couple minutes to introduce our special guest. Danielle, you are a graduate of Florida State University, a level three candidate to becoming a chartered financial analyst, a golfer, and you typically introduce yourself as an associate of a major financial firm. But today, we're going to introduce you with a title that normally isn't said out loud, but it is a badge you are not ashamed to wear. Your name is Danielle Kelly, and you are a child of divorce. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Catherine. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I'm such a fan, so I'm a little, I'm fangirling a little bit myself to actually be on it. <laughs> I love that. Our first I fan do. Girl. <laughs> and we are a fan of yours, too. Oh, okay. uh, Danielle was a speaker at our Mrs. Denise Summit in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and we were just all thrilled to hear your presentation. It was really fantastic. Yeah, oh, thanks. I must say, you did have the crowd crying, though. <laughs> well, hopefully no way. tears today. <laughs> well, Danielle, you shared a quote with us that's one of your favorites, and I'd like to kick off our discussion with that and what that means to you and why it's special to you. The quote is, speak your truth, even if your voice shakes, by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Tell us a little bit about why that specific quote is so meaningful to you. Oh, gosh, so many reasons. But I think I can put an example was when my boss pulled me into his office and he told me I was getting a new role. And I really felt like the new role wasn't fitting to my strengths. And it really wasn't what it pictured out to be. I thought it was a wrong move to put me in this new role. And so I thought about it and I went into his office and I had this great speech prepared on what my strengths are, what I could give back to the company, and those things would be muted in this new role. But when I went to go say this to him, my voice was like shaking. And it's, I feel like we've all had those moments where you feel really like powerful and strong, but your voice is just like rattling. And so I left that meeting feeling so discouraged and upset because I felt like I wasn't able to portray the strength that I felt in myself. And then I came across this quote actually later and I was like, I love this. It brought me back to that moment. And I was like, you know what? I'm speaking my truth. I am strong. I am powerful. So even if my voice is shaking, that's okay. So anyway, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is great for a lot of reasons. So a powerful woman saying something like this. And I thought, wow, her voice must shake too. So anyway, one of those moments that, that you that allows you to take a step back and be like, oh, a powerful woman like her has these moments. So why can't I? So I really love it. Boy, I mean, that's a great one. I mean, how many times do I think my voice probably shakes every day, right? So I think that's a good nervousness that we have inside and good for you for acting on that and then realizing that's a good sign and I did it and I should do it. 
Exactly. Yeah. You should still say the things that you're wanting to say, even if your voice is going to be trembling. So it's a good thing for all of us to learn and to appreciate. I love that, especially in challenging situations like we're going to talk about today. That's really something that anyone can hold on to during those times of uncertainty and vulnerability, essentially. It's what that is, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So getting to our topic of a child of divorce, I so appreciate you speaking your truth in this space, Danielle, because so many children of divorce haven't been offered a space where they can share their thoughts and ideas. And I believe your message allows for that. So let's start out with talking about knowing your parents are getting divorced to your parents actually getting divorced. What was that like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that I kind of always knew what was going to happen. And I feel weird even saying that. And I've thought about it a million times. I'm like, why did I feel like I always knew my parents were going to get divorced? Because I had a really healthy home. I had a really happy childhood. Both my parents were there and they were present. And there were two people that I could look up to. But I kind of just always had a feeling and and I'm very much like kind of a control freak. I want to know things before they happen. So I always had this fear and I sat them both down probably about over a span of three years each separately. And I was like, do you ever divorce mom or dad? Can you just tell me first was my always my thing. I just wanted to know first. So I had that memory and it makes me think back like, wow, I must have always knew that this was going to happen, which was kind of strange. And it's probably just an intuition that we all have, even us as children. But my parents didn't get divorced until late high school, early college. And I was still shocked. There were things leading up to it. Like there was a lot one summer, there was just so much tension in our household and it was crazy. And I felt it, but I didn't know that this meant divorce. And then one of my parents came in and sat me down. And I remember to this day, they said something along the lines of, you probably already know, but we're getting a divorce. And I remember that because I was like, No, I didn't know that. Like, yes, I knew all these things were happening, but in my mind, you never really want to say that thing. So I remember thinking like, no, I didn't know. But, you know, along the lines, I probably did know. So anyway, all that to say is we feel the symptoms. We kind of know what's happening, but it really takes like a, we're getting a divorce for you to be like, whoa, that this is actually happening. So it was still shocking nonetheless. Yeah, I want to hop in here a little bit and back you up a few steps because I find it really interesting that your process in your head was, if you're getting divorced, I want to know first. Because all the people that we speak to, they want to tell their kids the last. It's the scariest conversation to have. We don't think our kids ever want to hear that. And it's usually the last step that people take. Why is it that you would go and say, I want to know first? Was it because you wanted to prepare? Is it because you didn't want anyone else to know? Or did you want to try to stop it? Probably all of the above. I think ultimately it was probably more of like a personality trait. I'm a little bit of a self-confessed control freak. And, but in terms of like, I don't like surprises emotionally. I like to be prepared. So yeah, I wanted to know first so I can kind of be prepared emotionally. I probably felt that I could do something about it. All kids probably do like, well, I could fix this. Part of it was probably that too, but I think I like just to know first so then I could process and then I can go forward and understand what my feelings truly are before it it all happens. So probably a mixture of personality, but also probably wanting to fix it too, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. A mixture of everything. Yeah. I appreciate that. And to Catherine's point, we do hear that a lot of parents come to the table with 
very well-meaning intentions and they think they have to have everything worked out before they tell the kids. So I can understand that emotion, but often I find myself saying to them, well, every day that you don't tell the kids, it's another gap and another space for them to be unable to trust you completely because you didn't tell them and you're doing things that affect them that they don't know about. So I always try to put that into perspective for them. And I think that's what you're saying too, that the sooner someone tells you something that directly affects you, the more trust then you can put into that situation and that they are going to work things out for you. Is that kind of saying it correctly? Yeah, I think so. I think that's great advice that you give because I would totally agree. I think one of the points that I would try to relay is, yes, these are your kids and these are your babies and you want to protect them and shelter them, but you also need to give them a little bit of credit too. They are a little bit more adult than you probably think. They certainly feel more adult than you'd like to think. And this is a really real life event. It's not necessarily a terrible one, but this is going to be a big event for them. And they it's going to force them to grow up no matter how long that they sh- you shelter, I would say, or keep it from them. So why not get ahead of it, tell them, allow yourselves to build up this really trusting relationship where you're saying, I'm going to be honest with what's going on. And I'm going to ask for you the honesty as well. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me how I could be doing things better. So I think getting ahead of it, of course, you don't want to go too early, like, oh, I I don't like this person. I'm thinking about divorcing them, blah, blah, blah. But also don't wait too late because they are adults and this is an adult moment and they're going to grow up and it's going to be a really great thing. But the further you put it out doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better by any way. They're still going to go through it. So why not get ahead of it and have a really awesome conversation from it? Well, let's walk that line of being the parent and being the friend, right? It's something I struggled with my life, as you probably. And when you're being upfront and you're entering this story or this new storyline that's about to take place, a lot of times, particularly, well, I'm not even going to say the moms, the dads too. When Once they know that child is open to this information, now they start sharing too much information and trying to keep them abreast of too much of what's going on. And I think part of that might be the guilt or that this is what they wanted or they wanted to be in the know. Like, where do kids want to be in the know, do you think, in your opinion? And where do they not want to be in the know? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a hard one to answer, too, because, again, I am a self-confessed control freak. I want to know as much information as I can. But is that always the best thing for me? No. I've often learned of, before you ask the question, think about what the answer could be. Do you really want to know? But it took me a while to get there. So at first I would say, well, I just want to know everything and let me parse through the facts and get the information that I want. But that's also hurt me a lot in a ways because I learned things that I didn't necessarily need to know. So I think that it's a hard line. I would say maybe ask your child, say, listen, I don't know where the line is and I want you to tell me if I ever cross that, is this too much information? Or do you ever feel like I'm holding on to things? Tell me, hey, I need a little bit more information. I need to know how you're feeling. So I would say never be afraid to check in. I think that's a really powerful thing. And be open to what the child or the other party has to say. And I also would say, try to be mindful about your intentions. You may think that the information that I want to tell them may be a little bit too much, but they need to know this. Maybe take a step back. Do they actually really need to know this? Am I doing this for them and for their benefit truly? 
or am I doing it for myself? So again, I think this could be a great thing for the check-in process. I think the feedback you can get is that's a little bit too much and you can maybe reflect and say, you're right, was I really telling that for their benefit or was I telling it for mine? So anyway, I think check-ins are key. And then also check-ins with yourself as well. Where am I in this place? Do I feel like I'm trying to get revenge or I'm trying, I have this ulterior motive going on or am I in a good space and I'm a really open and open to feedback and open to this conversation. So, so I think check-ins are really the key. Yeah, that's a really good point. When you say check-in, are you doing this because you think your child needs to know this and it's beneficial? Or are you doing it because you need it. It's more beneficial for you and you want them to see it from your viewpoint. And I can say I've probably done both, a little bit of both of them. And sometimes like I, what I always say is don't tell me something you don't want me to unhear. And now I've had to also switch gears a little bit and say, don't say anything that you don't want them to unhear, which is really difficult when you're going through the process. And I know if you're listening to this, you're saying, yeah, right. How am I going to do that? Because I'm holding so much thoughts inside and nobody would ever react to hurt their children, right? But you do, I like that, take pause. We say that a lot and do a little check-in before you actually move forward. It's rough because a lot of emotions are flying all over the place and sometimes just some space helps and sometimes a little conversation helps. And so learning that pattern is essential for everybody the entire family navigating those choppy waters. But I also think you have to realize that your children are different. I went to one child and said, what do you want to know? And what do you want to hear? And how much? And his response was totally nothing. I don't want to hear anything. Or I wear the other daughter. My daughter is like, I want to hear everything. So you really have to be respectful of each child and what their personalities is. It's nice that you're a control freak. Is that what you call yourself? Self-proclaimed? <laughs> like that. And but your sibling might not be. So I just want to ask this question. And what do the siblings say to each other behind the scenes that maybe us parents don't really know? Yeah, I feel like I'm one of five kids and I feel like my siblings were the biggest blessing for this because I could be totally unfiltered, totally raw, totally emotional. Whenever I was just angry, I could just call one sibling and just let it out. And they were like, we get it. And so that was such a blessing. I, I say one of the great silver linings of going through a divorce is my siblings and I got so close. There are sibling dynamics anyway. My older sisters definitely took me in and hugged me and let me be that crazy mess too and, and really great. And I think my younger brother probably looked up to me. I feel like he turned to me a lot to whenever something would happen, especially in person, I felt him kind of look towards me to say like, how is she going to react? So I think the dynamics all come into play, but I think your siblings, if you don't have siblings, I, I'm sure you have really close friends. Those peers are such a great support system because you can be all of the crazy things you want to be to your parents, but you know that you shouldn't. You could be to them and they totally get it and they're there to back you. So I, I think the dynamic is a lot different, but also as a parent, I feel like you should encourage that. Let them be whatever they want to be with their siblings, know that it's getting them closer. They're kind of getting that angst out. It's kind of like the emotional punching bag, except you're not punching your siblings, but you <laughs> know, you're getting, hopefully <laughs> you're getting it out. So I think siblings are close friends, people you can really confide in and just be raw and they're not going to record you or hold you to it. 
those are really great support systems that you can have. You spoke about, I've, hear, I've heard you spoke about, and actually this is one of the heartbreaking things I had to hear you say, is that when your parents actually chose to go through the divorce, you were in college and you felt like it was all your fault. You had left to go to a golf academy, then you left your little brother there, and you really harbored a lot of guilt during that time, which is sad in, in itself, especially since probably your mother was harboring the same stuff and maybe your father too, but you're harboring all that guilt feeling. How did you get through that? And what's your advice to kids out there that don't know how to get through that? And the parent who has to talk to them about it because they, they might be harboring guilt too. So you're sitting in this guilty tornado. Yeah, it's a good question. And Disclaimer, I mean, this guilt probably took me maybe like five plus years to get through. It's not something that magically went away. But I think what I've always kind of done, and again, this is just kind of a personality thing, but whenever I'm feeling those really hard feelings like guilt or regret or sadness, I just like to sit in it. Like to be sad for a night or however long it takes. I mean, I'm not saying don't go to class, don't go to your job. I'm not saying that kind of sit in it. But when you have time alone, like on the weekends, just be like, okay, I'm going to feel this sadness, this guilt or whatever. And for me, how I processed it a lot of the times is I wrote in a journal. And that was really great for me because we often feel these emotions, but making sense of them is really the hard part. So when you're journaling, you're forced to put that from an emotion into a feeling that you're working through. So journaling was a really great thing for me to do, to just kind of work through those feelings. And I did this over a span of, like I said, five or so years. Whenever I felt that guilt coming back on, I sat in it. I said, let's process this myself. For others, it may be talking it out. My husband's a very external processor and he loves just talking it out, but I'm very internal. I, I don't find that helpful. So for me, it was a journal. For others, it may be again, a sibling or a friend. And then I think it just, you kind of find your ways to work it out. So like you've heard me say, my brother was my biggest guilt. If I were to go back, I'd stay, well, you always say these things, but things have a way of working themselves out. But I always wanted to know my brother was okay. So I was in college in Florida. He was living in Pennsylvania. I got a job offer to either move to Dallas, Texas, which was like my dream in so many ways or to move to Providence, Rhode Island, which wasn't as cool when you're 21 and wanting to go out on the scene. But for me, I wanted to make sure he was okay. So I moved to Rhode Island. I was able to go home every week. And it was at that moment that I realized, you know what? He's okay. He's great, actually. And he had to process his feelings the same way I did. So for me, that was my way of being like, you know what? He's okay. And eventually I moved to Dallas and took a job and it all worked out as it should. So anyway, a long way of saying, make sure you process what you need to process. And then whatever you need to do to feel, to check in with that person and make sure that they're okay, do it. But just know that how I wanted to protect my brother in the same way my parents wanted to protect me as a child. He's doing his thing and he's getting through it the way that he has to. And I know he's okay now and he's fantastic. So you got to do what you got to do, but we're all going to be able to work through it. And we're all resilient and we're all going to grow from it. I love that. Wow. That's awesome. And I love the part where you still got to go to Dallas, right? So sometimes there's a shift in a plan, but you know, you always get to go where you need to go when you're working towards something. So that's good for you for that. That's a lot for someone to do at such a young age and to be able to share that for other people is such a gift. So I, I appreciate that. I agree. Sometimes detours are just part of the journey, an unnecessary part of the journey and helpful. So Danny, when you spoke at the Mrs. To Me Summit in your speech, you talked about three asks that you have for 
parents who are listening. Can we review those today? Yes, I'd love to. Okay, so the first one is forgive your children. Yes, yeah, the first one's to forgive your children. And and during the Missed Me event, I wrote, like I mentioned, I had a journal and that was where I processed my feelings. And so sometimes they were nice and they made sense and sometimes they didn't at all. They were totally unfiltered. And so I read an excerpt of my journal where I very much was very angry at my parents, but also saw that I very much still loved them. But how that looked in reality of what was on the other side of that journal was a lot of acting out, a lot of I hate yous, a lot of distance, a lot of really angry texts, mean texts that if I could take back, I would. So what my parents saw was the, I hate Jews, but what I was trying to say or what was underneath this really hard barrier that I built up was, I love you and I need you and I want your support. So my first ask of parents who are going through a divorce with children is forgive your children. So whatever angriness or meanness or really ugliness you get back from them, Please trust that there are good intentions on the other side, and they're trying to figure out how to be vulnerable, but still be strong, much in the way that we spoke about with our first quote. It's a really hard thing to do, and I think something we probably work on our whole lives, but especially as a children, you put up that wall and you want to be strong, and that's hate, and that's all these ugly things, but they are trying to be vulnerable. They are trying to express that the love and the support that they're asking for. So my ask is give a little grace. It's not an easy ask because kids shouldn't act in that way. We shouldn't be afraid of being vulnerable, but that's just what happened. So I asked to give them a little bit of grace and meet the, their hatred with some love. And hopefully they'll be able to learn, oh, this is how we express vulnerability, not through hatred, but through love. So so a little bit of grace and meet that hatred with love if you can, if you're, you feel like you have the capacity to, and it's a really great thing. You know, it's nice to hear that because I'm going to tell you on the flip side how the parent might be feeling, but not just tell you from my own personal experience and from what I hear, I guess, I, from a lot of people out there, is that when your kids are expressing that hate, a lot of times a divorcing parent thinks, oh my gosh, they're going to love the other parent more than they love me. Or, oh my gosh, I'm the failure here. I've only wanted to be the best mother or father I could be, and now I'm the failure here. So I'm messing them up. And a lot of it is, gosh, they're not going to love me. They're going to love their other parent more. And so if we are, if you're listening to this and you're hearing Danielle speak from this vulnerable point, that's really a good thing to digest because although it might be hard to do, if you could just take those words and look at them as what they're really reaching out because they love you and any kind of action is a good action, right? Well, as long as it's not violent, but that's great. So if we could forgive our children, which I think we all basically do, but more importantly, forgive what they're saying as you internalize it, because maybe it's you who's internalizing it in the wrong way. Yeah. Sometimes I find myself saying or thinking that even though either the behavior or what they're saying is so hard to hear and maybe misplaced, the fact that it's coming at you or me is a demonstration that we're a soft place to fall or a safe place to fall, right? So you can understand that because Danny, I don't think that you would have had that comfort. And I know maybe comfort's not the right word there to just talk with your boss about it or a teacher about it in that way, like to really let those emotions out and not really needing to understand the impact of those emotions. You just needed to get them out. 
so that you could do something with them. And I think a lot of parents, it would help us all to understand that when that's happening, it's a way of our children processing their emotions and information that they have no other way to do. Totally. I think you both are spot on and you don't have to just take it. I would say, so my first, one of the examples that I gave and missed to me was, so if you're getting these hatreds or these emotional punching bags, say, I'm sorry that I've acted in a way that made you feel this way towards me. What can I do to show you how much I love you and how much I want to support you? So that's mm-hmm. responding with love. But also if you're feeling, I would say, I wouldn't do this in a moment of weakness in terms of like you're crying, but if you are having a moment where you feel strong and you feel level-headed and calm, but still strong, say, you know what? You've been acting out in this way towards me. Like what's going on? Is there a time in which we can ever talk about it? I'm really hurt by your actions. So what can we do? You don't always just have to take it, but make sure you're in a strong place, but feel free to say, you know, it's not okay to, to speak to someone this way. What can we do? Like, how can I support you? I know you're hurting and I know it's not towards me, but It's not okay, but let's get through it. So anyway, all that to say is you don't have to just take it either. And that's, again, how they're going to grow and they're going to learn like, oh, I hurt someone I love. That was not my intention. I need to act this way and not this way. So again, it's a learning and it's a growing point, but it's with someone who they feel comfortable doing that with, which is really special, like you both said. I agree. And so your second ask for the parents is forgive yourself. Yeah, this is a really important one. I think that we all, and probably more so even women, but both, but as parents, you probably harbor this guilt. So I messed my kids up is probably like the tagline of divorce and children, (laughs) I feel like most would say. Mm -hmm. Divorce is really a beautiful thing in a lot of ways because it offers all of us to grow. And that's the theme, right? With kids, they can grow, but with yourself, you can grow too. And That's probably my favorite part of this process was learning and watching my parents grow in a different way. Yeah, of course, it felt weird. Like taking photos for a dating profile feels weird. (laughs) You know, learning a new hobby with your parent feels weird, but it's a really fun experience to go through together. So forgive yourself. You made this decision for a lot of reasons. It's someone that's thought out over a long period of time. It's not a rash decision that anybody makes by any circumstance. Forgive yourself. And once you're able to do that, you're able to grow into your next stage of life and take your kids along for the ride because it's so much fun. I mean, I say taking photos for the dating profile are cringy, but I remember it to this moment and we had so much fun and we were like peeing our pants laughing about just like, how do you pose? You look silly. Like, what's this outfit? Or it's when clothing style changes, you're able to like go shopping with them or say, hey, we need to go shopping together because I do not know what you're wearing in this new phase of your life. Get it together. You're able to cook together. You know, all of these fun things are a new stage of all of your lives and explore it together. And that's really the most beautiful part of it. But you're not able to do that until you forgive yourself. So forgive yourself and involve into this new stage of your life and bring your kids along for the ride. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Love that. And then the <laughs> third funny. ask, Danielle, you tag it as the ask. You don't feel you have a right to ask. Talk about the third ask. Oh boy, it's a really big ask. And again, yes, I don't feel in the right to ask anybody this because I don't know anybody's specific situation. But the ask is to love your spouse ex-spouse, I should say, or love your children's other parents. Because at the end of the day, you're still both our parents. 
we still have both of the two of you. And oftentimes in divorce, you feel like it's cut right down the middle and it's the life that you live with your one parent and it's the life you live with the other. And it's too uncomfortable when the lanes cross into each other because you want to bring up the happy memory of this, but it involves the other parent. And that's super awkward because you can't talk about it with them. And so suddenly it's like all of these really happy, beautiful memories that you've all made once as a family are just shut off and you can't live those with the other parent anymore. But when you're able to forgive them, it's like that split that happened in the middle, it's all merged again. And you're finally able to be whole. You're able to be that one side of yourself and you're able to be that other side of yourself. They no longer have to be separated. And so you can share those happy memories and you can laugh about it. Or you can talk about the weekends that you had that was a lot of fun, but it happened to be with the other parents. So you may have not shared those memories. So you're kind of hiding that part of your life. Like all of that is gone. And and I say that it's the hardest ask because I understand that there's a lot of pain that goes through all of this and you're getting divorced for a reason, but still remembering that you're still one of two parents in your children's life and they still have the other one and they are really lucky to have both of you. A lot of kids don't have both parents. So to be able to have both of them and to live lives a life with them and to be able to share that with someone you love, like all of that is really special. And if you can, when at whatever point down the road, forgive your spouse. Don't let their fault to live on through your hatred towards them. Let all of that go. And it is such a gift for the child because you're no longer having to live two separate lives. You still have both your parents and you can still talk about it and be authentic to who you are in that way. So it's a, the biggest gift you can give your children. I could tell you that, but it's the hardest one to ask. And I definitely acknowledge that, but it's a really, it's a really important one. So I want to make sure I say it, even though I so feel like I can't. Your ask is not to ask them to love. Uh, I think you said it in the beginning of a couple of months, not to love your ex-spouse, but to forgive your ex-spouse. And totally. that forgiveness brought a space you felt like that you could share stories of past things, which I find something, find it to be something important to talk a little bit more about is because I think that parents, and again, myself speaking, we all know I've been through the divorce. And if you haven't figured it out, Danielle's my daughter. So speaking about that, when you do speak about times in the past, when is that right time? Because how do you really know a parent has forgiven the other one? So sometimes I think from this side, you want to bring up old times. Like remember when your dad was like that or remember this, but you don't know if you should because I think kids also go through a time where they make it uncomfortable to talk about that. And maybe it's because of what you're saying because you think that spouse is harboring hatred or not forgiveness or whatever, or anything. So you don't want to bring things up. So if a parent shows that, do they take that first step to say, hey, let's talk about, in my case, it would be dad, or if it's the other way, like, how do you, how do you know when that right time is? And how does a parent, is there a boundary of what you talk about? I'm sure there is. I would say first, check in with yourself and know yourself that you're ready to make that step because- Wait, let me stop you one second again. When I say boundary about what to say, just so I was clear, boundaries about what memories to talk about. Not how you feel, just memories in your past, because it's, it is a good thing to be able to break up, bring up, like you said, there's a lot of good memories in your upbringing and you've got millions of photos to show good times. But what is the boundary there bringing up when you said we could talk about that? First, I would say definitely I would check in with yourself to make sure you're in a good place, because there's something more frustrating to give the symbol that you're ready to talk about these happy memories. And then all of a sudden you're having a bad day and 
they bring up something and you're like, I don't want to talk about the parent or, you know, (laughs) there's like a, or you bring up these happy memories. And then the next day you're talking poorly about the spouse that is kind of giving mixed signals. And that's really hard as a child, because you're like, okay, yesterday we're cool to talk about this topic. And then the next day we're not. So I would say first, make sure that you're in a good spot and give yourself some time to let yourself process and get there. So that's first and foremost, I would say, at least for myself, I feel like I'm always kind of testing the waters, throw in a little bait, see how the other one responds. Is there tension there? So I think we will always be testing it because it's natural for us to talk about. I mean, these happy memories for us are still happy memories. We're lucky enough to still have both parents. The fact that there's a little bit of a divide there is one thing, but these happy memories, we're still thinking of them. We want to talk about them. So I feel like I'm always testing the waters, but I think it's important as the parent for you to know when you're really, truly good and you really, truly forgive the other person and you're ready to let these live on. And then the boundaries, I guess I would ask maybe like an example of like, what, what do you mean by boundaries? Well, I actually think you just answered it uh, by saying, check in with yourself do a little test water. Those are boundaries. Those are really good boundaries. And you're right. If you're happy about it one day, you can't the next day start not being happy about it. What kind of boundaries? That is not a boundary, right? You did say something though. And if you don't mind, I'm going to actually read exactly what you said, because this to me changed my life. I'm still working on the forgiveness part to be true and honest, because I have a kind of a crazy story, but I feel like I am a safe spot for my kids to come to because overall, I believe in, we had great times, but you said this and I'm going to read it. You said, you see, I am one half him and I am one half her. When I look in the mirror, I see my mom's eyes and my dad's nose. I am strong and smart like my mother. And this ability to stand up and speak in front of you comes from my father. I am one part him and one part her. And I am so proud of that. I'm so proud to be theirs. So when one half of me shows me they love the other half of me, I feel whole. And literally, I could break down and cry right now because I think that you can't say that any better as a child speaking to parents. And Karen could probably cry now too because that is what it all is. Yeah, totally. So thank you for sharing. That's very personal. I I thought it was beautifully said. And that plays into whether your parents are divorced or not. It plays into the whole family relationship that when parents behave this way, it directly affects their children because of exactly what you said, Danielle. You're one half your mom, you're one half your dad, as all of us are. And so that is profound and dead on. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for, again, standing in your truth. Even when your voice shakes, although I haven't heard your voice shake. she does say one other thing and everyone knows i'm quoted by saying you know divorce does not mess your kids up it's how both parents behave before during and after divorce that could mess your kids up and you did end with that another quote adversity is not what changes us but the way we respond to it does so i think if we could take everything that you said today even if you're the child or you're the parent and really absorb a lot of this we really will change the dialogue around divorce Totally. And I have to give that quote credit to a therapist. I'm sure there's a better way of explaining her title, but Meg Jay does a lot of studies on children and adversity in childhood and, and superpower that they have, children have about going through adversity early in your life, really 
provides you a superpower going into adulthood. And I, I resonated with that because I feel like going through this process is, has given me a superpower in a way. It's taught me a lot about myself. And um, so anyway, I stole that quote directly from Meg Jay. I didn't pick that one myself as the adversity, but it's a great book. If you want to look into hers, choose two books that I read religiously over and over again. So yeah, it's, oh, wow. it's, it's a superpower. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Danielle, for sharing all of these insights, thoughts, and your heart. We truly appreciate it. And I know so many people, parents and children, will benefit immensely from this conversation. Oh, well, thanks for both of you for having me and for allowing me this space. It's often frustrating to hear so much news and stats and everything about divorce and me, one of a million children is sitting here like, hey, what about us? What about, are you interested in what we have to say about this? So thank you for allowing one of us to have the space to have this conversation and being open to that. Really appreciate it. Well, we love that you'll do that. And as a matter of fact, if anyone wants to put in, would you questions and ask you, would you be willing to come back for a follow-up? I would love to. I think that'd be great, especially for other children of divorce. I'm always interested in your perspective. Is your story similar to mine or is it not? Especially to the parents. Yes, we'd love your questions and to the children as well. Love to hear your thoughts too. Excellent. So this concludes this episode of the WeChat Divorce Podcast, The Other Side of Divorce, A Child's Perspective. For more information or insights on this topic, or if you have questions for Danielle or for us, please visit our website or email us at hello at mydivorcesolution.com. Danielle, thank you again for a fantastic conversation. Thank you both to you ladies. Can't wait to uh, listen to all the podcasts to come as well. Thank you. If you're considering divorce, make sure to protect your wealth with divorce financial planning from My Divorce Solution. Our certified divorce experts will help you untangle your finances and understand your settlement options so you can negotiate your marital assets with confidence. Protect your financial estate with divorce financial planning. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to see if you qualify to work with our financial divorce experts. That's MyDivorceSolution.com for expert divorce financial planning. Thanks for joining us on another episode of WeChat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you are looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.